Chapter Two of the Submarine Boys' Trial Trip. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Submarine Boys' Trial Trip by Victor G. Durham. Chapter Two A Submarine Stunt That Dumbfound the Beholders. It ain't true can't be i won't believe it declared eph in a rage we've had such a good time aboard and have been so proud of what we've been able to do added hal chokingly mr farnum won't put that snob in here asserted eph not in charge anyway why mr farnum couldn't stand the fellow any more than we could fellows rejoined jack looking at the hot faces of his mates we mustn't be too hasty even in talking among ourselves that fellow's a snob asserted eph i'll stand by that anywhere i don't know that i'd say that replied young benson who had recovered his calmness in the first place don melville has evidently had a golden spoon in his mouth from the day of his birth he's used to having things his own way he may be all right at bottom that's where i hope he goes quivered eph straight to the bottom under a hundred fathoms of good salt water we may like him better when we know him ventured jack i'm bettin though put in hal thoughtfully that we're much more likely to like him less he's a duffer snorted eph we may have to change our minds about that smiled jack dully ain't he a rich man's son demanded eph blazing well that doesn't make him out a fool or a dullard retorted the young captain rich men's sons aren't as often fools as they're suspected of being some of them are mighty clever the number of great American fortunes that are doubled or trebled in the second generation show that. Then you're going to side with him? sneered Eph. I don't know what I'm going to do until the time comes, Captain Jack answered quietly. But I do know one thing I'm going to do at any and all times, and so are you fellows. You couldn't help it if you tried. What's that? Hal wanted to know. We're going to be as square with Jacob Farnum as he has always been with us. And that carries with it the idea of a big lot of loyalty right agreed hal of course nodded eph less angrily just as long as farnum runs the business but if other folks get in here and get the control of course we can drop out of this business at any time we want to provided it wouldn't carry with it a disloyalty to the employer who's been mighty good to us supplied jack benson mr farnum sent the boat out to see if you young men want to go ashore announced a voice from above within two minutes the three submarine boys were making for the shore after reporting at the office of the yard and finding that mr farnum would not want them again that afternoon the young cronies sauntered off up into the village at jack's suggestion they talked no more about the millvilles for the present and yet each felt as though a lump of lead lay against his heart though they tried to enjoy themselves in the village there was too great a weight of dread upon them it began to look as though all the pleasure of their recent life must fade though don melville if he secured command of the pollard might tolerate them aboard all three knew they would feel the burden of his cool contempt for them as inferiors listlessly at last the three submarine boys turned back toward the yard went aboard cooked a supper for which they had no appetite and then waited for turning in time in the next few days there were many signs that melville intended to find and supply the desired capital for the promotion of the yard's business 
Don and his father were much about the place, though they rarely came out to the Pollard. Business friends of Mr. Melville's also appeared, and finally there came an important-looking lawyer and an expert accountant. I reckon it's all settled except the signing of the papers, ventured Hal Hastings. The toe of the boot for hours, then, or as bad, murmured F. Somers sardonically. During these days, David Pollard, the inventor, who had made this splendid type of submarine boat possible, did not appear. For one thing, he was away in secret, pondering over the invention of further appliances to be tried out on the boat now building. More than that, David Pollard, shy and with no head for affairs, entrusted all new business arrangements to Jacob Farnham, who he felt sure could be trusted with a friend's interests. It's tough to be poor, grimaced Al Hastings. If I had the money, I'd put it into the business for the sake of keeping my berth aboard and having things as pleasant as we've had them all along. So would I, grunted F. But what's the use of talking when this is all the capitalist that I am? He took out four paper dollars, passing them ruefully between his fingers. Why don't you say something, Jack? demanded Hal. Dry of words for once? I'm thinking responded young Benson absently. Well, it's a sure thing that thinking does less harm than talking, nodded Hal. But when a fellow's silent, he can't spit out all that's boiling inside of him, snorted F. Summers. I'm getting ready to talk presently, smiled Captain Jack. If it's anything strong, say it now, begged F. The three boys were sitting about the cabin table. F. sat with his elbows on the table, his chin in his hands his eyes glaring defiantly at the wall opposite. Hal, rather listless, sat low in his chair, his feet well under the table, his hands thrust deep into his pockets. Jack sat leaning slightly forward, his left hand tapping lightly against the polished surface of the table. "'Tell you what I'm going to do,' suddenly exploded F. "'I'm going to Jake Farnham and ask him straight.' whether that snob of a duffer is going to be put in here over us with leave to kick us out when he chooses. Don't you do it, advised Hal with a shake of his head. Why not? Our employer is absorbed and troubled as much as he wants to be now, rejoined Hastings. When there's anything he wants us to know, and he can find time, he'll tell us. Huh, half assented F. Don't be forward about it, continued Hal. Just play the waiting game and rely upon Mr. Farnham being as fair and square as he has any chance to be. Hmm, again nodded F. Well, anyway, with farm labor at a premium, I'm not going to stay aboard to black the duffer's shoes. Fellas, listen, commanded Jack Benson, suddenly looking up. And then he told them both the thought and the scheme that had been in his mind all that day. While the young captain was talking, his two mates were still. Hal, because it was his nature and F. Summers, because he was actually staggered into silence. That's what I've been thinking of, Jack wound up. Don't you do it, old fellow, don't you dare, ordered Hal, sitting up straighter and resting an appealing hand on his chum's shoulder. But think of the lives that have been lost on submarine boats during the last few years, pleaded Jack Benson seriously. And you want to add your life to the others, retorted Hal, with mocking irony. I want to save perhaps hundreds of lives in the future, returned Jack spiritedly. Then at least old chum begged Hal, tell your scheme to Mr. Farnham and let him hire a trained diver to make the experiment. You think there's a lot of danger in it, do you? queried Captain Jack mildly. 
I certainly do, said Hastings with emphasis. Then I'll do the trick myself, contended Jack. I'm not going to think up a trick too dangerous for myself and then hire another man to take all the risk for me. Hal said no more. He knew the folly of trying to persuade his chum out of a decision like the present one. I don't believe Farnum will let you try it, hinted Eph. It sounds too dangerous. Mr. Farnum won't know what it is until it's been done, responded young Captain Benson with a light laugh as he rose from the table. Fellows, I'm going on shore for a little while. Look the electric motor over and test the compressed air apparatus. We want to be sure that everything is working right. Let me go ashore with you, suggested Hal, also rising. Not this time, laughed Jack. You might try to say something to Mr. Farnum to queer my plan. Stay here. You and F make mighty sure that everything is in running order. Going on deck, Captain Jack signaled for a shore boat, which was quickly alongside. Landing, the young captain walked slowly up to the yard office, thinking deeply all the time. Just as the young submarine commander entered the outer office, Jacob Farnum stepped out from his private inner office. He was smoking a cigar and looked as though he'd come out to stretch his legs. Hello, Jack, he greeted the young man pleasantly. Say, I hope you haven't come to talk business. Say something foolish, won't you? I'm just in a mood for nonsense. All forenoon I've had my head crammed to bursting with figures and business, and now I'm in the mood for something reckless. You see, Melville is in a position to command a lot of capital, and we need it to expand this business. He's in there now with another capitalist, a lawyer, and an accountant. But I had to break away. What do you know that's reckless? Jacob Farnum was not playing any part of treachery or deception in not telling his submarine boys about the proposed shifting of command to Don Melville's shoulders. The fact was that George Melville, after that first hint, had said nothing more about the subject, but was now craftily laying the wires for securing gradual control of the shipyard's enterprises. "'Why, I'm glad to find you at leisure and willing to be amused,' smiled Captain Jack quietly. "'Will it be too much like business if I ask you down to the water to watch a little demonstration that we want to make with the Pollard?' Is it something brand new? laughed Mr. Farnum, resting an arm on the young captain's shoulder. So far as I know, it's shiningly new, laughed Jack Benson. What is it? If you don't mind, Mr. Farnum, I'd rather show it to you first. How long will the demonstration take? It ought not to require more than fifteen or twenty minutes, sir. I'll take you up, then, agreed Mr. Farnum pleasantly. Just at that moment, the inner door opened, and Mr. Melville came out, followed by his lawyer. Don bringing up the rear of the file. I guess you'd better come along with me, gentlemen, called Mr. Farnum. Captain Benson has just invited me to witness something new in the submarine line. What is it? questioned Mr. Melville. I don't know, admitted Jacob Farnum. What is it, boy? demanded Mr. Melville, turning upon Jack. The very tone in which the word boy was uttered was meant to reduce the youthful captain to confusion, but it had the opposite effect. Though it brought a quick flush to Jack's cheeks, he answered courteously, It is intended principally as a surprise to Mr. Farnum. If I were to tell now, it would rob him of much of the pleasure of being astonished. To this George Melville did not deign to reply, though he compressed his lips grimly enough. Don flashed a sneering look at Jack and then observed, You're pretty independent for a boy. Let Captain Jack alone, drawled Farnum, expelling some cigar smoke between his lips. He generally knows what he's doing. 
though there was nothing in the builder's tone at which offense could be taken this reply quieted both melvilles for the time being come on we'll all go down to the shore and see what it is added the yard's owner captain jack hurried ahead entered the shore boat and was rowed out alongside the pollard it's all right fellows he called as soon as he boarded everything ready receiving assurance that all was ready captain jack turned to wave his hand to the little group watching from the shore two or three minutes later the pollard slipped slowly away from her moorings going out where the little harbor was deeper then the manhole being closed the submarine began to sink her cunning tower was soon out of sight beneath the surface there's about seventy feet of water where the boat is going down observed farnum to his guests what's the aim of all this mysterious work demanded mr melville with some irritation you know as much as i do drawled farnum smilingly it seems to me that you allow this young boat tender a good deal of latitude and tolerate a good deal of mystery in him cried the capitalist impatiently i have a good deal of confidence in my young captain returned farnum good-humouredly although with considerable emphasis on the title so far i've never had any need to regret giving captain benson rather a free hand yet you mr melville stopped right there for jacob farnum his eyes turned in a steady look out over the water suddenly emitted an incredulous whoop and then without explanation the boat builder broke into a dead run that carried him along the shore to the northern edge of the little harbor nor was mr farnum's astonishment to be wondered at for he had just caught sight of jack benson's head above the water at the point where the submarine had gone down and now captain jack after blowing out a mouthful of water had started to swim ashore with long easy strokes not quite catching the great significance of it all the melvilles and the lawyer hurried after the builder captain jack benson clad only in a bathing suit stepped out of the water and stood laughing before his employer jack how on earth did you began farnum and then stopped overpowered by another wave of amazement what is the meaning of all this demanded the elder melville pantingly as he reached the scene mr melville and gentlemen cried the boat builder wheeling upon his guests do you even begin to grasp the importance of the marvel you've just witnessed one of the great indictments found against the submarine torpedo boat is that when one sinks and cannot be brought to the surface again the crew must miserably perish very humane people shudder at the very idea of ordering men into a craft that may go to the bottom and become the hopeless grave of the crew and yet the pollard lies at the bottom of this harbor and captain benson has just come to the surface laughing and uninjured i suppose he opened the manhole cover and rose to the surface hazarded mr melville in that case sir smiled captain jack wouldn't you expect the pollard to be filled with water and my companions drowned besides sir at a depth of seventy feet the pressure of the water is such that it would be sheer impossibility to raise the manhole cover then how did you get here demanded the capitalist pardon me sir replied jack courteously though firmly do you refuse to answer my question boy again the irritating half contemptuous use of boy made jack's cheeks flush though he answered merely i think sir mr farnum has a right to the first information do you understand boy that i'm about to take a large interest in this business i have heard so sir 
but I hope you won't mind my saying that this little surprise was thought out by my comrades and myself. It seems to me, therefore, that we have some rights in the disclosing of the secret. Humph! broke in Don Melville. It's all some deception, some cheap trick, anyway. Captain Jack held up one hand to signal the shore boat, which, with two workmen in it, was hovering near. As the boat came in, the submarine boy announced, now I will show you the rest of the principle that my mates and I are demonstrating. Mr. Farnham, by the way, has just spoken of the humane side of this discovery, the making possible the rescue of a crew of a boat that can't be made to rise. Gentlemen, there's still another side to it. Under actual war conditions, with the submarine boat guarding a coast or harbor entrance, if the commander of the boat brought the cunning tower above the surface, the presence of the boat would be detected on a clear day but the head of a swimmer rising from the boat could not be observed at a very great distance yet the swimmer could make out the hull or masts of a hostile vessel some miles away this new trick is likely to make submarine boats much more valuable to the countries owning them and now i want to try something else and see whether i can do it the shore boat put in when called in the bow was a hundred-pound anchor with plenty of cable to pay out after it captain jack entered the boat looked over the anchor tackle then returned to shore come to me where i stop he directed the men in the boat with that after getting his bearings fully he swam out counting his strokes as he went it's about here that i came up he called pausing and treading water easily bring the boat here Clambering aboard, he directed the casting of the anchor overboard, and then poising himself at the bow, he made a strong dive, vanishing under the water. "'What's he going to do now?' asked Mr. Melville, curiously. "'I'd rather wait than guess,' smiled Mr. Farnham. For just an instant, Don Melville looked, as he felt, green with envy. Some moments passed. Then not far from the spot where the Pollard had gone down, her cunning tower appeared once more, and that was followed by the emergence of the platform deck and upper hull above the water. In another moment the tower manhole was opened, and Jack Benson, with a wave of the hand, stepped out, his bathing suit changed for his uniform. He lifted his cap in a joyous salute to those on shore. "'By Jove, Jack, but you're a wonder!' shouted Mr. Farnham across the water. "'I'll have Dave Pollard excited when I write him about this thing, but you have me guessing how the trick was done.' Once more Benson signaled the small boat in close, after the anchor had been lifted, and now the young submarine captain came into shore. "'You come on board with me, Mr. Farnham,' invited Jack. "'Are you going to show him how you worked the trick?' demanded Mr. Melville quickly. "'Yes, sir. Then I believe we'll all come on board.' I, I am sorry, sir, Jack hesitated. If anyone but Mr. Farnham comes aboard, I shall show nothing. Later on, when Mr. Farnham and I have talked this matter over... Are you going to stand for this boy's nonsense, Farnham? broke in the capitalist angrily. I guess I shall have to, responded the builder, with a pronounced drawl, which, with him, was a sign that he was close to inward anger. Mr. Melville, I must beg you to remember that the secret... Whatever it is belongs so far to Captain Benson. You may not approve, but I think he is wholly right in this instance. The capitalist bowed stiffly. He and his son remained on the shore as Farnham embarked with his young employee. They were soon on board the Pollard, which was not long in sinking. Then, after a few minutes, Jack's head once more shot above the water. 
the shore boat was waiting and again dropped the anchor close to where the boy had come up jack stood in the boat for a few minutes taking in deep breaths and sunning his wet skin and then for the second time he dived below the surface five minutes afterward the pollard was at the surface and moving back to her moorings mr farnum and captain jack returned to the shore the boat builder's face was glowing with delight you saw our young captain come up while i was with the pollard down on the bottom didn't you inquired the yard's owner yes admitted mr melville grudgingly while don half scowled then turned his head away but how was the thing done that replied jacob farnum courteously at the request of captain jack benson must remain a secret for the present oh said the capitalist but his tone was ominous end of chapter two